Hi, it's Karen from See Me, Hear Me, Love Me. We're the podcast for parents with young children, and we know that life with kids is messy, but we're here to celebrate those messes, from spilled milk to emotions spilling out of little volcanoes. And you know what? We really believe in you. You got this, and you're not alone. I just want you to know a little something about your host. Karen Deerwester is an educator, author, and all-in cheerleader for kids being kids. Karen has been a corporate spokesperson as well as a reasonable and reliable voice for kids and parents in print and on TV on NBC, MSNBC, NPR, Parents Magazine, and many more. Best of all, Karen leads the parent-child classes right here at B'nai Torah Congregation of Boca Raton, Florida. Get ready for some fun, a ton of encouragement, and maybe a little inspiration. Today's podcast is Exploring Tot Shabbat, God and Spirituality with Kids. I'm very excited to be here with my favorite Jewish educator, mom, um, personality extraordinaire, Emily Tech or Miss Emily, as many of you know her. She is a mom, a Jewish educator, a musician, and has just finished her dissertation for her PhD on exploring Tat Shabbat, God and Spirituality. And I cannot wait to explore some of the themes and topics and how this is going to help us all grow in the experiences and the perception that we bring to young children and families. So welcome, Miss Emily. Thank you so much. Okay, so let's. I know that you're an extraordinary mom who um, brings a big world of experience to your children. Um, explain, if you can, um, how that connects to your choice of dissertation topics. Sure. Um, I was very interested in Tachabat and music and little kids from the beginning of my career, but it was definitely an incredible turning point when I became a mom and started trying to practice the sorts of things in my everyday life. And I was a little bit horrified at my own lack of knowledge um, and ability to feel confident in talking about God and talking about faith and talking about some of the sticky or uncomfortable things that come up in really authentic, honest discussions with little kids. Okay, so pause, pause, pause. If you Write yourself a note if you want to finish that sentence in a minute. but Because that's a shocking revelation. Um, because, first of all, you never seem to be at a loss for words or perceptions or insights. Um, but that, and, and people say that to me all the time, that idea that be careful about talking about God, be, and yet that spirituality, that connection to something bigger, holier, sacred than ourselves seems so much a part of young children's experiences in the world. Explain, if you can, the discomfort or the or that you didn't feel prepared as a Jewish musician for many, many years before becoming a mom. Well, I, I practiced developmentally appropriate practices in all my efforts. So, you know, even before I was a parent, when I was a teacher, I'd go, what is the, you know, what are the milestones and when can I expect my kids to start walking and talk, talking and when is it appropriate to try to use, you know, consequences to help. But I didn't, I had no frame of reference for what would be developmentally appropriate and how I could support the development of faith and and the un, their understanding of their Jewish identity, even though it's something that's so closely related to 
all the work that I've been doing. And God has absolutely come up in a lot of conversations. And it's, I don't know how it happened that I am not uncomfortable talking about God. I've like, even, you know, 10 years ago, when I was working at a JCC, people would come and be like, hey, this kid is talking about God. Emily, will you have the conversation? And I'd say, sure. And, and I would enjoy it. But then looking back on that and thinking, well, why didn't, why didn't, why didn't it occur to me? Why didn't I have a book? Why didn't I do a Google search on how this happens and how it can be supported? I just didn't know. But when it was my own kid, suddenly I was like, oh, I want to learn more about this. And the research is sparse, but it does exist. So what did you find out? So I found out that no one in Jewish academic circles had done any real research on early childhood and God and space like and, and spiritual development. Um, but lots of people had done it outside the Jewish world and that if I wanted to understand it within a Jewish context, I just needed to understand it in to Jew- a context. Jew- it. it didn't matter. You know, it really doesn't matter what God you're talking about when you're talking with a, you know, a toddler or even a four or five-year-old. Um, you know, certainly some details and some information that you're sharing. But I think once you talk about which religion, that gets more cognitive and it gets more emotional and it gets more social. But when you're just talking about the depth of concepts that are bigger than yourself and connecting to someone and understanding things that you can't see, um, it doesn't matter what religion. So I learned a lot by looking okay, at some so of the research youngest, of other Youngest developmental other age for a God concept or spirituality concept. Um, so Maria Montessori talks about the spiritual embryo and that, you know, when we're in utero, we just sort of absorb everything that is around us. Um, and that when it comes to God and spirituality, she called it the psychic life. That's what happens. So you come out of the womb and you're still in this malleable, emotional, vulnerable, spiritual place for the first couple of years of your life. So the moment that kid comes out, they are understanding and taking in cues and, and things that have to do with God and spirituality. Um, and wouldn't, so here's a, so, so the way I'm thinking about that is when I think of um, left brain, right brain, and, and these big um, immersion experiences in oneness that adults strive for, isn't that part of young toddler, young children's experiences on a regular basis? And, and isn't it, I mean, I'm, I don't even know what a spiritual embryo is, but, but it does seem to me that that whole mother, baby, or even I, 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 or attachment bond that, a, that an infant has, when you see the world in your mother's eyes or in loving eyes mirrored back at you and you are one with the world, is that the kind of spirituality, non-religion specific that you're thinking of? I mean, I think it can be. I think one of the hardest things about understanding spirituality is there is no articulation that's going to resonate with everybody, and that's okay. So um, how do you define it for your for your dissertation? So I, I, I don't, because I can't. Um, I was actually, when before I sort of focused my topic, I was looking at spirituality, and that's one of the reasons that I decided not, because in an academic paper, you need to have definitions and, and, and cite things. Um, but, you know, in my life, it's about understanding that everybody connects to things bigger than themselves in different ways, and, and that's important to me in because I really want my kids to understand that whether people are Jewish and believe in God or Jewish and don't believe in God or Christian or Muslim or any other thing that people might be, that that's a shared experience if people choose to talk about it. And being part of one religious community or the other doesn't 
doesn't extract us from that shared universal experience. Okay, so give us the specifics with your parenting of the kind of conversations or experiences you have had with your children um, that, that, that at least sort of ex- show everyone what's possible in terms of creating a spiritual framework, an identity, uh, whatever your choice would be. Well, we make a big deal of Shabbat every week in our house, which wasn't something that I, before actually having the babies, I intended to do. But, you know, first Shabbat home, I had like a, I don't know, a two or three year old day old baby. And I, I, I was feeling just like there was a lot of chaos. We had family in town and doctor's appointments. And so for that first Friday night, I think Talia, who's now two and a half, um, coming up on three, two and three quarters, you know, very important distinction. Um, we told everybody to leave us alone and we put the baby in a bouncer and we had like a nice grown-up meal and I washed my hair and it was this break and it was delicious. Like just the experience was delicious. So then we kept it up. So, so Talia was born into loving Shabbat. And I think her attachment, you know, she started playing by setting, you know, as soon as she could walk, she was bringing Shabbat ritual objects over to the table and setting Knuffle Bunny and Panda Bear and lighting the candles. And it was part of her play. Um, So I have a 13-month-old. And she started, you know, we'd sing Shabbat Shalom, which is part of, you know, Bim Bam, this sort of song. And really her her first intentional vocal expression is she would say hey and throw her hands in the air and she said hey and threw her hands in the air when we were singing bim bam before she said hello to people um and so joyfully um maybe she's got maybe a dozen words now but the the language acquisition her first word was mama and then hi and then bye and then dada and then hala so her fifth word was asking to be included in this ritual um and it's just because it's part of what helped me in those first days of parenting, feel whole and feel collected and feel peaceful. So that sort of inspired this ritual, but it's such a big part of both of their lives. You know, she, Talia, two and a half, she was just setting a table. I was putting a tablecloth in the linen closet the other day. She's like, no, that needs to go in the play area because I have guests coming for Shabbos. (laughs) And it's just, so it's a part of our everyday lives and it's something that they look forward to. And it's the and it's the one Friday, it's the one meal during the week that they know that everyone's coming together. They know they'll often have guests. Um, we do very limited sugars in our house, so it's the only time my kids get juice and they get very excited about it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it, and that was, I don't know if that's exactly connected to God for every family. Well, that was my next question. So you have this connection to a meaningful ritual that will become fuller and fuller as they move into this developmental um, progression. Um, so, ha- But for us, it does very closely relate to God. So we bless the candles, we bless the children, there's this family blessing song that I wrote and that we sing all the time and it says, may God bless you and keep you and blah, blah, blah. But sometimes if somebody sneezes starting or maybe 20 months old, you know, sometimes we'll say bless you. So Talia will say bless you, love you, keep you, be with you always. So she would just share these words and these wishes. And she understands that that God being present is is a safety, is a security. Um, you know, sometimes she'll she'll be she was she would fight bedtime. She's not doing that at this exact moment. I'm sure we'll come back to it. But she'd say, "But I just want to talk to you, Mom, and I just I have something to tell you." And I'd say, "Well, if you need to talk to someone, you can talk to God." And she'd say, "Oh, okay." And so I, I'll leave the room, and I can see on the monitor that she's talking to God. She's saying, "Thank you, God," and then she'll sing Shema to her little animals, and she'll cover them up. Mm-hmm. But it's just. 
you know, the other day she wasn't feeling well, and she didn't eat for, like, a whole day, which was very unusual for her. So I wound up taking her to the doctor, and they said, probably too much matzah, honestly. She needs to be <laughs> Um But, you know, so we got home, and, and I was putting her to bed, and I was like, you know, we talked to the doctor. They said, you drink your juice. You're hydrated. You'll get a good night's rest, and tomorrow I think I think you're just going to be – you're going to be great. And she said, Mommy, even when I'm not feeling good, I'm great because that's how God made me. And I said, yeah, okay, so, you're right, so kiddo. It's these – these seeds of protection. Um, I mean, clearly, how would you describe? I mean, because you've opened with this developmental. I mean, so is God a person? Is God a feeling? Is God? So we've never defined it. Yeah. The question hasn't come up yet. I'm sure we will. Um, you know, we we start each day with a modaani, which is like this thank you song. So we talk about what God, what makes us happy, and that God made everything. So that's really like that's probably between the Shabbat experiences and saying Shema that there's one God and we listen to God, and saying in the morning what makes us happy and thanks God for making it. Like that's sort of, and I think that's appropriate at a two year old level. I love it. So 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 let me ask because something you mentioned before we turn the mic on. Does a parent need to make these choices before they begin? Um, do they need to know what they believe in before they begin? Can they just pick and choose things and aspects of spirituality and traditions and rituals that might um, enrich their their family life? Where What does a per- parent need to know to begin? Um, I think a parent needs to be comfortable not knowing. And that's the most important step because I think if anyone tells you that they have, you know, a perfectly clear understanding of what their belief in God and faith and humanity is and that's what they're going to believe for the rest of their lives, I think they're in, it's just, it's not true. Mm-hmm. Um, so I knew I wanted my kids to be Jewish, but n- in no capacity did I know exactly and what besides we would do Jewish for that. rituals and traditions, what does that mean? Um, that's a great question. And, and if you asked me six months ago or six months f- from now, I think that it would be different. But I think, you know, being part of a community um, and being being grounded in texts and traditions that we can refer to for guidance, um, whether that be, you know, looking at a Torah story to figure out, you know, well, what did Moses do when he was brave and this and that, or looking, you know... I was going to say, in years from now, but we already talked about some of the things, the, the writings of the fathers in the Talmud, or going to a rabbi, you know, knowing that there is a rich resource bank that we share with other people to help us make better choices and, and be whole, healthy humans. Okay, so just in case there are Jewish educators around the country listening to this, as I know there are, um, and I know it's part of your work in the sense of how do you help young children um, attend and participate in community services and programs and institutions, whether it's synagogues or whether it's events, and you are helping us all reframe how we welcome um, Jewish young, young, young children who may not um, act in the ways that other people think are appropriate or developmentally um, respectful. What does being Jewish mean to that community engagement for you and your family or your vision of, of being a Jewish family connected to community? Because Boy. That, yeah. Um, I don't know how to answer that exactly. But you're coming at this from a family perspective, which is I am a Jewish family raising very young Jewish children, and I want to be engaged in very tangible, concrete community. Right. Um, 
And you're also looking at this from a from another scholarly and professional right. angle of how do we how does how do those Jewish institutions and communities meet us? Where's the intersection between those meetings? So to answer that, I'll tell you. I'll tell. Let me tell you something that just happened recently. So I've been leading a Tachabat program at a synagogue in Boynton Beach for about a decade. Great relationship with the rabbi, fantastic community. Um, and in my research and in becoming a parent, I became less and less happy with what was happening. So we were meeting in a sanctuary, and then we'd go out of the sanctuary, we'd make a bim-bomb train, we'd go out to the lobby, we'd have a snack. And this past Hachabat, based on conversations with my husband and how he'd get annoyed with the fact that he had to chase my to- toddler who was running around in circles in the sanctuary, and, and all the research that I'd just done for my dissertation that talked about um, the environment as a teacher and uh, using, you know, educational principles to frame all of your all of your efforts, and also um, relationships as being the key for long-term impact, we made some changes. So we moved the service out of the sanctuary and into a classroom where we could cover the outlets and where the kids could run around if they needed to. So there was it was a yes space. There was no reason for the parents to say no. So even that environmental change just made took a huge weight off, and instead of going out to the lobby to have the snacks and the kiddush, we wheeled it in on a, char- on a cart so that the parents at the end could, you know, schmooze and the kids could run around in the space. And and so, you know, but I can't, I can't explain it to you, give you an answer to your question directly, but that's really it. It's about looking at what you're doing, trying to figure out if it's accomplishing the goals that you want, and then also making intentional choices with a recognition that some of those goals need to be, you know, letting your goals be informed by the research and be informed by the resources that are out there. And by the needs of young families and young children. Because, I mean, we see it here with our Ahava Nature Shabbats where everything is outside. And what we realized is the children are running, running, running. They are engaging, as Rabbi wanted, with a blade of grass, with the clouds above them, with the sun setting, with the air, with the bird. I mean, it is so present to be in that space. And then we and then everything comes to this little pause where our Shabbat table is outside and the children, because they have been so active, can now focus engaged, be blessed by their parents, right. be engaged, you know, just and know that Hala is coming, Kiddush is coming. Um, it's just so magnificent. And, and it's those emotional moments, those connected yeah. moments that we have to prioritize, even if that might mean, you know, not exposing them to the Hebrew words or the trope or the this or the that, because without the connectivity or without those feel-good experiences, we're going to kick ourselves because we're not going to have them come back. You know, anytime I want a a community is trying to engage kids and families, I want their number one goal, the big enduring understanding, to be come back. And if we don't teach them that, then we're limiting their lifetime experiences. So that might mean we can't do exactly what we want in that moment. I think you wanted to say more about nature and and the nature-spirituality connection based on your research. So I've gotten some... I've had people tell me that I talk about God in a way that feels Christian to them. And I don't want to fully unpack that because, honestly, I might step on some toes. And and it's not something that I intended. But, you know, I talk about God. You know, I tell my kid that she can talk to God at night. And if that's what she wants to do to express, and she can say whatever she wants. She knows that prayers are sometimes asking God for things or thanking God for things. Um, But but there's a Reb Nachman of Bratzlav, who is this philosopher from, you know, 
long, long ago in our tradition, heat bode dut was a phrase that he used, but it's this, this moment where you go by yourself to commune with nature, to connect to God, to have something greater than yourself. And, and I, I, I think sometimes it's forgotten in the ways that we want to approach and model individuals connecting with God because I think a lot of kids only see well we go to temple on the high holidays and there's a sermon and like there the you know like Montessori said it's this embryo where things are just sort of transferred ambiently so So I want kids to know that there's just a whole menu a whole lot of diverse options for these connections and what words do you use as a parent or as a teacher connecting um, with young children in nature that makes it a more spiritual of experience? I think the words aren't the most important piece of it. Um, and I think the words that I use one day might be very different than the sure. other day. But And I don't think it matters that the kid understands it as spiritual. I know you create the frames for your children's experiences to help them understand and synthesize them. So I think you might be doing it even if you're not sure you're doing it. That's probably true. (laughs) But it's not like we go and we talk about God and faith and Jewish texts and tradition, but on a Saturday morning and we're sitting in the grass and we try to see how many different sounds we can hear and, and find the colors and just take big breaths and fill our bellies up and then see what sort of sounds our bodies can make. Like, so yes, we might say like, wow, our bodies are so amazing. Thanks God. Or like, that's so beautiful. Thanks God. But so you will use the thanks God. Well, we do a lot of thanks God, but in my mind, that is a Shabbat experience. That is a, you know, connective, petitionary, like, emotional, but I'm not telling... Because there were a handful of times where I dragged them to synagogue services, and I want them to be exposed, and I want them to hear it. But, you know, if some, the little one's nap time doesn't coincide, like, just practically... It's going to shul for us is not always a priority. So in my head, and maybe it's just me rationalizing for myself, because I think in my pre-parent vision, we would go to synagogue more often. Uh Um, Like those, these experiences of just recognizing the good and like, and and seeing the the living and articulating Jewish values like HaKarat HaTov, recognizing the good is an essential part of this faith and community piece that is Judaism. It's so beautiful. It's so beautiful. And and so um, I have one question for you about the spirituality, the developmental spirituality, because um, I, I understand how you're creating these experiences for children to connect to. But um, and and this, I'm not trying to set you up on this question, but it's, but I know it's, I know there's an answer, and the, but I didn't prepare you for it. But it's so it's. When I think of spirituality in young children, I think of the um, multiple intelligences and the existential intelligence, that, that, that child that we've always identified as the deep thinker, in, even as a young toddler, the, the, the toddler that understood, um, that the, the, the just intuited a connection to, to deep and powerful things um, in, in the world. And, and I have examples of that, but... but what you're also you're talking about something bigger than that. You're talking about each child engaging in spirituality, ritual, and and Jewishness um, in their own way developmentally. How have you seen that from your children's point of view, mm. and the children who participate in your Tachabats um, express their 
individual spirituality or Jewish identity in a very toddler, baby, um, or preschooler way? I think that I don't really anticipate that I'll be able to identify when their expressions are necessarily connected to God and spirituality. Um, I'm in no rush to have them articulating their faith. I mean, a decade from now, maybe I'll start asking open-ended questions. Mm -hmm. But I think, you know, I I think in a very developmental framework. So my kid is jumping on the trampoline, and I think, like, oh, well, she's understanding, like, time and space, and that's going to help her drive a car. Or my kid is turning upside down when we're singing a song and family time, and, like, that's going to help her when she looks up at a board and then goes down to take notes. So, like, we're just practicing a whole set of skills that are going to set them up to do all the things in life that they want. So I think that being aware and being connected and being joyful in the ways that they connect, faith, God, all of those things, that's it's just, that's it. They're doing those those things. And, and I can't predict um, exactly. You know, I, I had to interview some people about God and spirituality for a class, and I talked to my dad. This was, I don't know, a couple years ago. And I realized, like, I had never talked to my dad about God and spirituality and what he thought. And I was not surprised, but I just, I didn't know. So I think it's... And it's and he definitely didn't predict that my sister is also a Jewish professional, but like we would be this. So, yeah. so I, I'm sort of it's an, it feels a little bit like a non-answer because kids will say things about God, but I also don't give a ton of weight to it. Like okay. if a kid says I don't believe in God, okay, tell me more about what they or they do believe. Whatever it is, mm-hmm. you know, it's just it's all sort of on a continuity that just I don't I don't want to shut down the question. Kids in Sunday school ask me questions about God and death, and and my my general response is like that's such a great question. I bet your mom and dad want to talk to you about it or that's such a great question let's ask you know rabbi schmo to in like just whatever you're saying whatever you're doing don't assign too much weight and by that i really just mean don't be too judgmental um and encourage the process and that's how the expression i mean because my kid's not three yet so you know i imagine there'll be new and different things but right now god is a part of her life and a part of our life for my toddler and for my baby judaism is a connected joyful thing and I, for us, I really couldn't ask for more. And how beautiful and full that must feel. It feels amazing. And there are people who'd be like, well, your kid doesn't know the rules of kashrut, and my two-and-a-half-year-old does. Or, like, there are definitely lots of different ways that people, or, or families who think, like, kids need to have a relationship with Jesus that's, you know, X, Y, or Z. And if, like, that's what you and your family and your community need, like, there's just so many ways to so do it. So many ways. And so I love this, and I'm so happy you got to share a piece of all of this amazing research and experience that you've been doing for years. Thank you for having me, and I look forward to continued conversations. You know the conversation will continue, but the wrap-up is always the same. How have you got this? How have I got this? Post-dissertation. Now you are Dr. Emily Tech, um, who's also still a mom and a joyful Jewish educator. How have you got this? I think that I've got this. Man, I knew this was going to be the question. I didn't even think about it. But I think that I've got this in knowing... That I don't. Not that I don't have it. I'm very, I'm confident in my ability to facilitate experiences. Sort of end of, like, end, period. And I'm confident knowing that what I know now is, is going to be enhanced and increased as I parent and as I read and as I learn and experience. And that's ultimately the piece that I know I can give my kids. I don't know that I can give her my faith in God. I don't know that I can give her my love for Judaism or my faith in texts, but I know that I can give her because 
the way Montessori and everybody, you know, kids learn through observation and participation. I can give her an attitude that says, you know, I can grow and I can change and things can be better and things can get tough and then they can change. And I think having that sort of attitude towards connecting to whether it be God or community or tradition, that's the piece that I know that I can share. Beautiful. Thank you so much, Emily. So that's the mess for today. We appreciate you listening to See Me, Hear Me, Love Me. Seeing little people learn and grow, listening to parents taking a crazy, uncertain journey, loving the fun and loving the mistakes. You write the rules, you write your story. We just want to be part of the conversation. But in the end, we know you got this. We'll catch you next week. Take care. Oh, 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 wait. We're growing too. So if you had a great time today, please spread the word to a friend. You can also join our conversation on Facebook. That's with Karen Deerwester. And there's great parenting resources for you at www.familytimeinc.com. Thanks so much for listening. Thanks to everyone at B'nai Torah Congregation for this lovely space. Thank you, David Dweck, for that sweet voiceover. And thanks to the front and the follow for the song listen. We are listening. Thanks, everyone. See you next week.